Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. This is episode 246 of the Leading Learning Podcast. And we're going to start a little differently than usual. We're going to start with a story. Last April, Jeff and I went to see a play called The Boy at the Edge of Everything by Finnegan Crookmeyer. It was put on by a local middle school. Friday night, we volunteered to run concessions, we showed up, we collected money, we dispensed candy, and we got to see the play, though in seats that were off to the side a bit. And all in all, I'd say it was a reasonably engaging production. We enjoyed it, though we did have some trouble understanding what the actors were saying at times because our seats were off to the side, and the actors weren't always great about projecting when they spoke. Now, as it happens, we went back to see the same play the next day, Saturday afternoon, and that experience was quite different. This time, we didn't volunteer for concessions. We sat front and center so we could hear and see everything, and we brought extended family along with us. And here's the really big difference. Our son, who was the understudy for the lead role, was actually playing the lead role in that second performance. As you might guess, we were much more engaged for that second performance, and we've come to realize that there were very good reasons for this heightened engagement. The three conditions necessary for engagement were met more fully the second time we saw the play. So the meaning was higher when our kid was starring. Plus, in addition to our son playing a lead role in the second performance, we were also more familiar with the material, the storyline of the play at that point, which served to bolster our interest. The safety was higher because we had connected with some of the other parents by the time of that second performance, and so we were more confident that it was a safe, accepting environment, even for actors who flubbed or or maybe forgot their lines. And so that helped to... Uh, allay any anxiety we had about how our son would be received. And our availability was higher at that second performance. The first time running concessions took at least a little bit of mental space and effort, so we couldn't give the play our full attention from start to finish. The difference between our engagement with the first production and our engagement with the second production comes down to meaning, safety, and availability. And those same three conditions are necessary for engagement to happen in a learning context. And of course, we tell this story to show it's valuable for all of us to observe how engagement does or doesn't happen in everyday life, because what we observe can help us be more attuned to how engagement happens in general and give us ideas for how to support engagement in the educational experiences we develop and offer. 
So we're devoting this episode to exploring the conditions that have to be in place if engagement is to happen. Because learner engagement can feel like one of those really holy grails of, of the learning business. If the learner isn't engaged, learning is unlikely to happen. We can plunk people down in the theater, but we can't make them pay attention to the play. But we can work to influence the conditions so that they'll want to watch, so they'll want to learn. And as you listen to the remainder of this episode, we have one reflection question we suggest you consider. How well do you support the conditions necessary for engagement across your portfolio of learning products and services? You can find that reflection question along with show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 246. So now before we go deeper on the conditions necessary for engagement, let's define learner engagement as it's a term that doesn't really have a single clear right definition, but we can share a definition that we like, and it comes from the glossary of education reform. It says that learner engagement is, quote, the degree of attention, curiosity, interest, optimism, and passion that learners show when they are learning or being taught, which extends to the level of motivation they have to learn and progress in their education, end quote. So there are three conditions that have to be met if learner engagement is to happen. If learners are to come, as Jeff just shared in that definition, if they're going to come attentive and curious, interested, optimistic and passionate, if they're going to be motivated and make progress. And those three conditions are meaning, safety, and availability. So meaning refers to the sense that the effort needed to participate in a learning experience is relevant and will provide the learner with a return on investment. Safety refers to the sense learners have of being able to participate as their true selves without fearing damage to self-image, status, or career. And the third condition necessary for engagement is availability. And availability is about having the physical, emotional, and psychological resources necessary to participate fully in a learning experience. Now, meaning, safety, and availability are the conditions required for engagement, but how can we as learning businesses support and leverage those conditions? We have some ideas, as you might expect, and some examples we'll share, and we encourage you to look at what you're already doing to support meaning, safety, and availability, and to brainstorm other ideas for how to further bolster them. Your everyday experiences can offer insight, as we hope the opening story about our son's play showed. To support meaning, use relevant examples and practice opportunities in your educational products and services. Practice doesn't have to be complicated. Having attendees type ideas or answers to a question in a chat box during a webinar, for example, that's a form of practice. So it doesn't have to be complicated, but you do have to carve out the time for the practice to take place. And that means less time for presentation. And I know sometimes that can be a hurdle for presenters and subject matter experts. So to support meaning, make sure to design chances for learners to experience results so that they get to see the logical outcomes and results of the, the choices they make and the decisions that they make. And case studies and role-playing are just two examples of some great ways to do this. Another way to support meaning is to give learners meaningful feedback. Um, 
that's right, way to go, does not count as meaningful feedback. Meaningful feedback is going to speak to the learner's particular approach to an activity or their specific answer choice in the case of an assessment. And you also want to look for opportunities for learners to provide feedback to each other. Jeff and I devoted an episode to feedback uh, earlier, and so we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 246 if you want to delve a little deeper on the do's and don'ts of feedback. And meaning can also be bolstered by creating tension between where learners are now and where they want to be, and then, of course, resolving that tension by teaching them things that help to close that gap. This works particularly well when you're promoting your learning experiences as it helps to get at that what's in it for me or or with them um, that we can all be so concerned about. But it also applies to the actual learning experience. So structuring lessons as stories, for example, giving them a narrative arc from presenting an initial problem to then guiding learners to a resolution, this can be a very powerful strategy. And again, this doesn't have to be complicated. Even something as simple as saying, hey, there are seven steps to dramatically increasing virtual conference registrations, or there are three conditions for engagement. And then, of course, walking through those steps or conditions, that creates a sense of tension and then resolution. So let's move on now from meaning to safety, the second of the three conditions. To support safety, make empathy part of your learning experiences. Everyone providing and delivering the experiences, your designers, your instructors, your facilitators, everyone needs to understand the learner's needs and desires and focus on supporting their learning. And to do that, of course, you should be in regular communication with your audience, something we often advocate. You want to be continually soliciting input about their challenges and opportunities and then sharing that feedback with those on the the front line of developing and delivering your educational offerings. As an example, we keep an open survey that we point new email subscribers to to ask about their challenges and opportunities. And this keeps us kind of generally apprised of what's going on out there. And then we also do more targeted and specific questioning and surveying of potential learners when we're developing a specific offering. A hallmark of events like our annual learning technology design virtual conference, for example, is to create the agenda in collaboration with the learners, even as they're registering for the event. So we'll proactively seek feedback on the potential topics and presenters they're interested in and really kind of build that agenda in real time. To support safety, you have policies in place that make it clear privacy and confidentiality will be respected. This is going to help your learners be able to speak their mind, to ask their real questions, to share their real concerns. You can do this as part of the sign-up or registration process for a learning experience, but it's often important to reiterate privacy and confidentiality uh, approaches during the learning experience. It can be part of the expectation setting at the beginning of a synchronous experience, whether that's taking place online or off. To support safety, let learners know it's expected that they'll make mistakes. And in fact, mistakes are good because they're valuable tools in learning. Make sure you don't shame or embarrass anyone, of course, for making mistakes, but instead give good feedback that helps the mistake maker and the other learners understand what to do differently in the future. And related to valuing mistakes, make sure your learning offers low-risk opportunities for failure 
depending on the field or profession you serve, the stakes can be lower or higher. Obviously, in medical professions or aviation, failure can literally mean life or death. And so you want your learners to have a chance to fail in a safe setting. And of course, technology is helping more and more here with things like uh, virtual reality, extended reality, augmented reality that allow those low-risk failures to mimic the real world as closely as possible, which makes them then valuable as learning experiences. But you don't have to be that high-tech to offer to offer realistic opportunities for failure. I mean, again, I think case studies and role-playing exercises can be great tools and, and very often require nothing more than having that representative scenario and then conveying it through just simple text or, or audio. And then lastly, emphasizing community can really support safety. You want your learning offerings to promote a sense of, we're all in this together. Your success in learning is my success in learning and vice versa. And also, adult learners usually bring tremendous experience to a learning situation, and they may know as much about a topic or at least particular aspects of a topic as the facilitator or instructor. For everyone's benefit, you want to tap into the knowledge and experience the learners can share themselves, and you can do that by emphasizing a sense of community. So let's move on to the last of the three conditions needed for engagement, availability. To support availability, chunk the content into manageable segments. You don't want to overload your learners cognitively. Everything we learn as humans has to go through our short-term memory, which is incredibly limited. Chunking makes more efficient use of our learners' short-term memory by grouping information in a meaningful way. So John Medina's Brain Rules is a really classic resource on chunking if you want to go deeper on that. Another way to support availability is to make sure your content is accurately leveled. That is to make sure to align the content to learners' prior knowledge and experience. And to support this, you might need to do some pre-assessment or at least make sure your course or session descriptions are really very clear about the level at which the material will be taught. And then lastly, you want to provide or make clear in advance what learners need in order to fully participate in the learning experience. And this could be everything from required reading to having a laptop or bringing pen and paper or carving out time so that they can pay full attention or or even um, having a quiet space they can go to for reflection. So that's our look at a few ways to promote the three, three conditions required for learner engagement. We'll wrap up by asking, well, so what? Why do we as learning businesses care about learner engagement? Engagement may make for an improved experience for the learners. It's going to be better, nicer, more meaningful for them if they're engaged. But what about for the learning business itself? Well, I would say if if learners are engaged, they'll probably learn better and they'll likely be better able to apply what they've learned. So engagement helps with learning effectiveness. And from the learning business perspective, I think that's huge. Uh, That's the kind of effectiveness that can drive those triple goals of reach, revenue, and impact that we like to talk about, Jeff? Absolutely. It's a, it's a rhetorical question, of course. Learner engagement helps increase the reach, revenue, and impact of a learning business. Engaged learners are best positioned to realize the full impact of your learning offerings as they apply what they learn. Engaged learners are going to help you reach 
more of the right learners by telling others about your offerings. And engaged learners can help to increase revenue through referrals and, of course, by returning to you for additional learning products and services themselves. So that's a look at the three conditions necessary for engagement. A few examples and ideas of how you might support those conditions in the products and services you create and deliver, and a a short take on why we think you should care. You can find show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 246, and the show notes will include the reflection question. How well do you support meaning, safety, and availability across your portfolio of learning products and services? When you check out the show notes, you'll also see uh, various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us get some data on the impact of what we're doing. We'd also be grateful if you take just a minute to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Going to leadinglearning.com slash Apple will put you in the right place. And Salisa and I personally appreciate your rating and review. Plus, those reviews and ratings help the podcast show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Finally, consider following us on social media and spreading the word about leading learning. You can find us on Twitter by going to leadinglearning.com slash Twitter, on Facebook by going to leadinglearning.com slash Facebook, and on LinkedIn by going to leadinglearning.com slash LinkedIn. We also encourage you to use the hashtag leadinglearning wherever, however, please help spread the word about leading learning. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.